0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Into Adult Verse podcast. Today we've got another interview coming up for you guys. Uh, we're gonna be talking to Anant. Uh, anon is the founder of intern.club, a really, really cool um intern community that I've been really, really fortunate to be a part of, which brings together interns from all over North America and the world working at different companies and different product areas like product product management, marketing, sales, software engineering, etc., etc., even venture capital. And we're going to be asking him a little bit about how he founded this community, some of his previous work experiences, and just, you know, getting to know him as a person. So, yeah, thank you so much enough for coming on and looking forward to a good episode.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. This is maybe the first podcast I listened to. So <laughs> um, um, yeah. should be a good time. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, well, we're Absolutely. super flattered. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We we took your podcast, cherry. Like, I'm, I'm I'm surprised that <laughs> we're your first. But like you mentioned, you're more of like a, a visual learner, right? So makes sense.
2: Yeah. So um, Anand, let's uh, let's do a bit of role playing to uh, break the ice. You know, let's ease ease into this conversation a little bit. If you're okay with that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Later yeah. On, All
2: right. Let's do it. So, I'm an old friend. That you haven't seen in five years we run into each other on the street and we find that we have some time on our hands so i treat you to some starbucks because we're bougie like that to commemorate our fated reunion <laughs> they're at the cafe we manage to snag some seats by the window the best seats in the house and we go to sit down drinks in hand we lock eyes and i asked you so what have you been up to bro okay and i'm
1: supposed to answer What's now you? okay yeah yeah, yeah. uh hmm it's actually very interesting because it just happened to me three days ago virtually of course so I can no kind way. of relate I can, I can kind of, for it uh, yeah tell what happened uh, it was this guy actually roomed with in 20 2016 mm-hmm. 20, 2015 yeah um and we were on like a random VC mixer call and then I was like, Oh my God, is Gonzalo's there. And then he was like, dude, what's up? Like, what are you doing here? And we hadn't talked in five years, uh, but we were pretty close when we were roommates. He was interning at Google. I was interning at another company in Ann Arbor and we threw like cool parties and, you know, did a bunch of stuff that I probably shouldn't mention on the air. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of told him what I've been up to, um, just you know, graduated, which is good. Um, Bunch of software engineering internships I was almost going to move to norway this summer so that was exciting uh mm-hmm. or supposed to be exciting i guess and <laughs> uh, yeah uh just uh, exchange numbers i was like dude just message me uh you know text me let's catch, uh, let's catch up and yeah it was kind of just crazy uh how that happens and mm-hmm. uh i think that happens a lot in like uh, some cities like i think new york is pretty famous for this right but uh this just happened yeah. to me a lot in new york Oh, sorry. In San Francisco is like, you just yeah. randomly meet people like all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's uh, pretty amazing. So yeah. yeah, that's how I would describe it. It's just, uh, I think you just kind of instantly vibe with a person and it's I think just, uh, instead of talking about your whole life, you probably just dive deep into like one particular story or anecdote or phase of your life. Right. So yeah. uh, for so me, it would be like the summer
2: right so what would you say i guess more recently what's been occupying your time then
1: yeah so i mean i've been pretty busy since uh, i guess quarantine uh, happened so as uh, Flood mentioned i started this uh, community for interns i've been running this communities for the past three years um, but i was also interning uh, at this ai startup in norway um, so that was pretty cool to see how like you know european startups work and super smart people and uh yeah just like like Really, really cool experience for me. So now I'm thinking of moving to Europe at some point and working there. Uh, I was yeah. working for this VC in New York. Uh, this was all at the same time. So just and like, like see what happens inside of VCs, how does like investments happen. And it's pretty interesting to see at early stage how investments happen. Um, and then I've also been helping run this uh, VC, another VCs fellowship. So I technically work for two different VCs. Um, <laughs> Um, just on there, like a VC fellowship called Soma Capital. Um, yeah. So that's been really cool to just be able to, you know, stand this fall program up from the ground. And we're gonna be doing it again in the fall. Um, I think it's like the only VC fellowship running in the fall. And we basically, our thesis is that, hey, if you want to learn how to start companies, go work in early stage, you, want, you know, like, working at Slack maybe won't tell you how it is to be like the first fifth or like the seventh or the 10th employee at a startup, right? So that mm-hmm. experience we think is really valuable. Uh, and if you can get that, you can kind of see for yourself if startups are for you because they're hard work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not for everyone. Like people think that they want to start companies, but then when they see the hard work required, they're like, this is not for me. I'm going to go work at a big tech company. You know, this is, this is too much work. Or even mm-hmm. not at this phase in my life. Um, yeah. So we're trying to be like, hey, we're giving your time. Like go work at an early stage company. You'll see how hard it is. And if you don't like it, then, you know, go do something else. We're literally saving you the most precious thing you have, which is like your youth. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's been really interesting to see. And amazing people that applied. like I'm going through applications actually just after this, I was like super smart people. I have like one guy who applied, who's like, he started Uber in India. So. Uh, no that's way. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's kind of what I've been up to this summer, just like, and we're throwing a conference in a couple of days. So that's been super exciting for me to see and just pull that whole thing together, like 25 oh. plus speakers, almost 3000 attendees. Uh, so yeah, just been super busy this summer.
0: Yeah. That, that's that's how I great. Like it. Yeah, it sounds like you definitely be keeping yourself busy. You talked about a lot of different things there and I kind of want to go into like each of them, but um yeah, I don't know if you mind, but um Europe was a big thing. I, I was actually planning on traveling this summer. Obviously mm-hmm. that didn't happen because of COVID, you know, it is what it is, but um I'm really curious like what what about European culture, you know, made you so interested in moving there and uh, how has it been different from, you know, you, you went to Ann Arbor, right? So you lived in Michigan mm-hmm. and then I'm assuming you lived in the Bay as well, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, how was European culture different from those, each of those places and, and what interests you most about living there?
1: I mean, um, so the, I think the story behind it is uh, this was like the day before my last final, in like December. And I was just like, okay, what do I do? I'm going to be a new grad. I think I passed all my exams. So you know, <laughs> my parents are like, get a job. And I really kind of hate job interviewing, job, job hunting in general. Um, So this company had come to our career fair, you know, career fairs kind of suck. But then this company was super interesting. They are like a Norwegian company. And um, I was just like, why is this a Norwegian company at our career fair in Michigan, right? Super weird. Um, they had a couple of alums. That's why they came, but nothing really came out of it. So the day before my final I just emailed the alum there and I was like hey do you have any openings for internships like you look cool <laughs> um and that's how I got the job and I interviewed for Christmas break which is their holiday um so I've never been to Europe before like I've I've done like little layovers I guess but mm-hmm. I've never actually stepped on like European soil outside of an airport yeah, yeah and uh I, I thought it would just be like something different like that's kind of one of my, I would say, life philosophies is to do unexpected things and be different. So most people are like, you know, after college looking for jobs, like big tech companies or, or startups. I'm like, okay, what would be the craziest thing for me to do? Move to a country where I don't know anyone. Um, so that's kind of the reasoning mm-hmm. behind, I was like, Norway, people are like, why Norway? I'm like, okay, why not Norway? <laughs> it's actually a lot of things. Yeah. Like the people speak English there pretty well. Uh, very yeah. educated population. Um, beautiful beautiful country and it's also pretty accessible to other scandinavian countries like yeah, people go like buy grocery shopping in sweden which somehow was very appealing to me was like to go and buy your groceries from a different country i thought that was, <laughs> utopian, that was a huge selling yeah. <laughs> yeah like uh, i think that I, I definitely view it as like like in the ideal in a human society there are no like physical borders. borders between countries. Like there are yeah. borders just for like administrative purposes, but you can just walk over uh, mm-hmm. and you know, in a different country and that's fine, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so that was kind of the reasoning cool. and I'm also international. So I was just like America, was like, you know, good to have backups. So let's go try this thing in Europe. And if it, you know, it's, I should have some kind of a network uh, and a backup in a sense. For sure. America. And uh, it's interesting
2: really that um, you mentioned like just what, what what's just asking yourself like, what's the craziest thing that i can do right now right um fwad and i have kind of like discussed this on a previous episode where um the yeah. way that uh, we were discussing it we were framing it in the way that imagine that you had a documentary crew following you around that's basically mm-hmm. going to be documenting your early life right mm-hmm. right and it just leads you to ask yourself this question like what can i do right now that would tell the most interesting and compelling story Mm-hmm. And you know that often leads us to make like the hard choices in life or the the interesting choices in life, you know? yeah right. Where would you say has uh, is this something is this, is that a philosophy you've adopted more recently, or is this something you've held on to for a while now?
1: Um, I mean, I don't think it might not be a philosophy I've held. Um so my life has been like pretty full of zigzags. I was was born in mm. India. But then when I was fourteen, I moved to Singapore for a scholarship. Uh, I didn't know anyone in Singapore. It was just like, I was just trusting some random stranger who was like, hey, you have a scholarship and a school waiting for you in Singapore. And uh, I was 14 uh, and I trusted oh. that stranger and I just moved to a different country uh, without my parents, just just myself. And uh, awesome. so I spent four years there and then I was like, okay, I wanna go to America. So I moved to Michigan. I didn't know a single person in the US uh, when I moved. So I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna move <laughs> to America. And then when I came to the Bay, uh, I didn't know a single person in California either. And that's why I actually started, you know, running intern, uh, these intern communities was because I was just like, I didn't know someone, some people, why not just bring them to me instead of me going out to them, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think it's kind of just been part of my life to just move to places and just be comfortable with change. And um, and I think keeping myself uncomfortable is I guess a philosophy of my life is like being uncom- being unpredictable, but also keeping myself a little bit on my toes. Uh, mm-hmm. i think that just keeps life interesting and i don't want to be 70 and then look back on my life I'm like did i do anything interesting uh i don't want to i don't want to have to like like answer with a no you know so that's kind yeah. of one of my like things i think yeah. about it's like i'm 70 if i'm looking back okay was i doing interesting things when i was younger uh if <laughs> if, if i can't think of anything you know that's that would be really really sad like i don't want to <laughs> um do that so
0: for sure uh, no, yeah you're absolutely so right i yeah. agree I think that like that feeling of like not wanting to regret things is a huge motivator for me personally. Like uh, that's one of the reasons I actually moved out to the Bay, even during COVID um, just cause like, I was like, I could be in my mom's basement right now, but I could also just not <laughs> be in my mom's basement. And yeah, it might be financially the wrong decision, but I think, um, and we talked about this on a previous podcast, so but like, mm-hmm. you know, life experiences are invaluable. Like you can't put a price tag on people you meet. You can't put a price tag on new food you try. Okay. Maybe you can put a price tag on new <laughs> food you try, but you know, the experience overall is what counts. And that's something I really mm-hmm. like to live by. So that's really cool that you think that, um, yeah, I mean, kind of following up on that, like, can you talk a little bit about the startup you worked at, at in Norway and like what, some of the work they did and why they interested you so much?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm a big fan of cities. Like I just, I've grew up in cities like all my life. Uh, like, you know, SF is kind of my, I call it my, um, like I physically could be anywhere but my spirit lives in San Francisco is what I is what I call it. And mm-hmm. uh, so the company is called spacemaker.ai. They basically build uh, like a modeling and simulation software for real estate developers and architects to build like oh. building sites. So like, let's say you're building an apartment site, like um, how would you model it? Uh, what does the compliance look like? Uh, it's like, have you guys played like the game City Skyline? It's kind of like that, but like not a game. Yeah. Um, and you can see like, okay, where does the noise coming from? Where is the sunlight hitting? Uh, Norway, Scandinavian countries, a lot of compliance. And like, even European countries in general, have a lot of like, you know, regulatory things that you have to take account of. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. And it's also kind of, it's not a pure software product. You know, it's, it's kind of intersecting the real world in a very real way. It's like you're building people's houses um and uh, so their whole kind of mantra was like building um better cities for the future like you know very that kind of grand mm-hmm. and uh, like the first thing they told us was that to accommodate the entire female population we would have to create the city of paris every year uh to accommodate the growing human population and uh, you know yeah. so people that were becoming increasingly urbanized uh, so i think there was it was very Interesting grand mission to build better cities, which I really resonated with me. Uh, right. And the people there For were sure. really smart. Uh, like half my team had PhDs from like MIT or the Norwegian version of MIT. Um, and awesome. uh, yeah, master's degrees. So I was very <laughs> surprised when I got the offer. But uh, yeah. yeah, and I think the culture and the, the way they adapted to, to remote work and, uh, you know, it happened during COVID. So I was like their quote unquote last hire. So just seeing the leadership, and I think what you mentioned like why European companies like the their CEOs were so upfront about like funding issues and their hiring freezes, and they were like, we aren't gonna, we are not going to lay off a single person. And uh, the COVID quarter was their best quarter, like they sold the most number, they got the most number customers they ever had during wow. COVID.
0: So that's really cool. That's impressive. Like, yeah. yeah. It's impressive.
1: So I think just like seeing that and uh, adapting to. Yeah, but there were just like super nice people, <laughs> uh, yeah. in in general, and yeah. just smart. And I was like, I finished my internship, but I have like a like return offer, sort of. Um, and so I'm like seriously considering just moving there. And Norway has no coronavirus, and their government is really stable. I'm a big fan of governments and, <laughs> and good governments. Um, oh yes, yeah. so <laughs> good governments are, are, are great. <laughs> yeah, taxes yeah. are high, but like you know, you get like a lot of amenities with it and you don't need so much money to live a good life in in those countries, which I think is kind of the opposite of what happens in the US. Um,
2: Um, One thing I really appreciate, I guess this is kind of relevant to like what you were doing there, but um, Mm -hmm. this is something when I visited Iceland and I'm Mm -hmm. kind of just like panning this out to the rest of the Nordic countries. Um, but like I really appreciate when it comes to like architecture and like developing like the landscape, they really make it a point to do so around the existing um, landscape. Like they don't tear things down, they don't raise planes. Um, they want to make sure that it's it's this like symbiotic relationship that they're building up. And mm-hmm. you, you've, it really everywhere you went in the country, like even in like Reykjavik, which is the main city, mm-hmm. um, which is like the tourist hotspot too. Like you still yeah. saw that there. Like literally, I I got out of the airport. And I looked around, just mountains everywhere. That like, was crazy. Um,
0: the it, city. Like, no way, that's really cool. Yeah, it's,
2: it's crazy, yeah. bro. Like, um, I don't know, like, did they, was there any explicit kind of um, like mission statement incorporating that like within the, um, the startup that you were working at?
1: I think, so their whole, um, if, you can, if you can just go on the website, it's spacemaker.ki it's literally big bold letters is building better cities through AI. Mm. Uh, design better cities with AI. That's literally their mission statement, and they're starting with like you know these plots, and then their entire goal is to like actually being able to map out entire cities uh, and optimize them. For example, like you know you're building a construction site, and through their software, you're able to add maybe 10% more capacity into the same space without sacrificing like quality of living, right? So you're yeah. even able to just you know provide housing for more people. And you're still making money, right? Um, so that's not a concern, but it's just, and construction is one of the most under tech industries. So there's a huge oh, yeah. potential for, for disruption. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I think um, that all of that was just like, like, I'm a big fan of like Sidewalk Labs, you guys are from you know, Toronto. Yeah, Toronto yeah that's how we ago. met actually.
0: That's how yeah. we met. We were on a tour of Sidewalk Labs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: so this is like the Nordic version of Sidewalk Labs, but like not evil. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, and they've raised like 25 million dollars from like the top top European VCs, and they're expanding yeah. across Europe. They have a research division, which I thought was really interesting, like a startup with its own R and D division, and it's like all you know uh, oh, wow, PhDs, you really masters, people's working yeah. on like you know products two years out, uh, which For I thought sure. was like very very far sighted. Uh, yeah, amazing people all around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really, that's really cool. And like, I definitely think like people is the number one reason I think anyone should work at any company. Like I, I didn't really realize this until like, you know, sort of like I had already made the mistakes, but like chasing company names like means nothing. Like it's all about the people you work with because you see them Mm -hmm. every day. You go to every Zoom meeting with them, you know, you go to happy hours with them. You really have to vibe with the people you work with and, and, you know, not just like on a professional level in terms of like matching learning styles and, you know, being able to communicate to each other, but also just like believing that they're good people and people that you wanna come and see every day is a huge thing. So um, on that note, sort of like with people and community in mind, uh, mm-hmm. wanted to ask sort of like why you started Club and mm-hmm. um, what like community means to you? Like how have you created community through intern.club?
1: Yeah, um, I think this, uh, I alluded to this before, but the reason I started intern.club or why I've been doing this every summer is because I moved to SF. Um, and I didn't know anyone there. And it was kind of lonely and scary. I didn't really enjoy my work my first summer in SF either. So I would honestly like work till like 5 p.m. And then I would take the Caltrain up to San Francisco, spend the whole the evening there, go to events, try to meet people and then take the last Caltrain back down to the South Bay where I was living. And then I would go to the Denny's at 1 a.m. for like food. And then that was like my my summer, I would just do that. And I just really enjoyed it. And uh so, so I didn't want, so the reason I started these communities or I do this is that uh, I don't want any other student to ever feel that way that they're moving to uh, a city and they don't know anyone. Uh, I think that happens a lot, like people are moving all over the place, I mean, especially if you come from a school maybe that doesn't have as much of a presence, right? You don't have any friends or like alums or a pre-existing, if you're international, for example, like I was, like, I don't know anyone in SF, right? Um, yeah. So I just didn't want any other intern or student to ever feel that way. I was like, hey, this is the place where you can come and you can make friends and you can go to events and we threw like bonfires and we threw like this, uh, even an art gallery and people became friends there. And they're still friends now, three years later, like I see them on Facebook and they're like best friends. Um, so that awesome. makes me really happy that uh, we were able to facilitate that. And uh, And yeah, that's honestly the reason I do it and I wanna keep doing it is because even if you can help one person not feel alone, uh, I think, especially mm-hmm. this summer, when people weren't moving anywhere, but they still wanted to do the networking. Networking is For really sure. important. Like, um, you know, I'm an engineer, and like, engineers don't like to network. But like, a lot of things that have happened to me, a lot of opportunities I've gotten, were through random encounters. You know, um, and I think there's enormous kind of power in just randomly meeting someone uh, mm-hmm. and just making and kind of continuing that connection. Yeah. Um so I just wanted to kind of enable that uh, for our students. And also if you think about it, there isn't really a community for students to get together. Like LinkedIn is there, like there's Facebook, there are some Facebook groups, but if, like where can you actually meet students from other universities, right? It's only in the summer, like when you're interning, the whole school year, you're just at your school, you're just surrounded by students at the same university, right? Mm-hmm, like how do sure. you actually meet? And I think it's really important now to meet people from other, other universities, right? Every school has kind of its own uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Kind of niche and speciality, um, so I think it's important to meet people from other schools too. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, so that's kind of why uh, we did it, and that's honestly what community means to me is um, just uh, a kind of a space where you can be yourself and you feel comfortable reaching out to people. You don't. It's not a place where you're trying to boast or trying to put like, you know curated pictures of yourself like on instagram or like curated job he's updates adding
0: he's adding um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I use instagram quite a bit but hopefully not as curated <laughs> it has its
1: purpose right but like you yeah. <laughs> kind of can have like conversations or it, i think it's maybe too public in a sense um yep. and then people yep. have kind of different interests <laughs> right like as you if you guys have seen the channels we have so many different channels and people are selectively active in, in some and uh, mm. i think it was a good example someone posted something about the facebook rpm program and like 10 different people like commented on that thread and there's a channel now and they're probably gonna organize a group call, right? So that was super powerful, um, mm-hmm. I think. Like very a very cool example, of the community coming together super quickly, self-organizing, like I wasn't pushing it, right? Um, so I think uh, like, yeah. none of the admins were made it happen. It was just someone in the community kind of made it happen for themselves. And I think that's the symbol of a mature community where community members feel kind of empowered enough to take initiative mm-hmm. and, and do things um, by themselves and uh, people kind of follow yeah so i, I,
0: think I, that's
1: I don't a, know if
2: you've uh, uh, I was, uh, yeah i don't know if you've thought about this at all but what does the final evolution of intern.club look like like say you scale up and everything like what what is your end goal with in creating this community
1: yeah so i mean so it's not a startup like a lot of people are like hey you should monetize this and you should make it a company and a recruiting platform and i think that would really take away from What it is, is that it's just like I call it like four interns by interns. And I think in its final evolution, it's, uh, I mean, previously we used to kind of start at the end of the summer and sunset it by the end of the summer. Uh, But now I'm thinking, hey, maybe we should continue uh, with it. And then every summer, when kind of activity is a little bit heightened, it's taken over by successive generations of students. So it's almost like a student org, right? It's like every mm-hmm. year some new leadership comes in. So it'd be like every summer, let's say, like five students get to be the leaders of intern club, and like everyone knows sure. about them, and they become like, uh, like when I was in San Francisco doing this, I would just get like people in random parties or on the street would be like, "Hey, aren't you the guy? <laughs> Keeps annoying me with those announcements." Um, so mm-hmm. there are people. People do recognize um, who's who's running these communities, right? And there's a lot of power, I think, in uh, running communities and being able to shape the community in a way that you think is, is good. Uh, so that's kind of the end goal is to make it like an institution that exists where successive generations of students are able to kind of mold it in their own image and me or someone that's kind of just like fades into the background and we provide help as we can. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. as I grow older, I'll get you know, more uh, disillusioned with the students or I won't be able to connect with them as much as I, I can today. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to kind of account for it already. And I'm starting a new grad community because I'm going to be a new grad. So I'm like, okay, I can connect more with new grads now. Uh, and I want to give some other lucky soul the ability to uh, grow this community in whatever image they want to. So that's kind of the final evolution of Intern Club. Is just this like brand you can call it or entity that exists that is for students um, by yeah. students every year. And uh, yeah, you can you know it does. And then it exists in maybe every city. So whenever you're interning, wherever you're interning. You're able to find some friends.
0: Um, yeah, that's a great story. And, like, yeah, I, I think it's so positive because I also experienced something similar where uh, I moved to South Bay, specifically in Palo Alto. And I, I knew like one or two people, but they were like living super far. I didn't have a car. I couldn't mm-hmm. meet up with them, right? Caltrain is, you know, you taking the Caltrain, sometimes it's not the right. best. Sometimes it's difficult, right? So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you have stories on it. But, uh, yeah, like, I I had a similar experience and I think I really, really benefited from like leveraging people I knew and like, you know, really putting myself out there, but I never, like, I would never want somebody to have the experience where like, you know, you move to a new city and you don't know anyone and it's extremely hard. And I'm very lucky that I'm, I'm super extroverted, but I know that there are people who are more introverted who have more of a difficult time doing that. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you've definitely accomplished that goal with Club. I just want to say like, I have met and in a way, especially during quarantine, this was the perfect time to do it because in a way of like, I've actually met more people than I maybe would have met in person because I've met mm. people from all over the world, right? Um, I've met people from different companies, whereas if I was at Twitter, I probably would have just met Twitter interns or like other interns in SF. Uh, I've met people from different time zones through you know different meets calls and things like that, and that's been really really positive for me. And so yeah, I think I think you're doing a great job, and I think that message of community is really important. Um, and one thing I'll center on is also diversity of thought that comes along with community and how, you know, a community, like, like you mentioned, like all the different channels, all the different interests, like having people who, who are working at different spots and are interested in fundamentally different things allows you to have a vibrant community. And that diversity of thought is really, really positive for us. Yeah.
1: I think we can do a better job. Like um, right now the community is um, very tech heavy, as you can uh, probably tell. Uh, and we're trying to kind of, I think, remedy that so someone suggested, hey we should have events for like non-technical people like legal interns or public policy interns which i think is a, is a brilliant idea Or nonprofit interns i think is another brilliant idea yeah. um so we are kind of constantly working on ways to um, expand the scope of the community and i think it's been very techy because you know i'm in tech and i'm in san francisco but that doesn't mean it has to be and that's why we need more people from you know like different backgrounds coming in And being like like finance, I think, would be really interesting. We haven't really taken off with like finance, but a lot of people are interested in finance, right? So what does that Mm -hmm. look like? Um, Maybe medical could be interesting. Um, uh, Yeah, I think there's like, uh, and like going international, even like I'm actually working on a European expansion to bring in like a lot of people from the... UK universities together, like even within each other, like a mixer between the top, like you know, London universities are doing like a across the pond mixer where they get to talk to like interns, like in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like where else would you can you go and to make that happen, right? Where can you actually go and talk to like someone from like Oxford or Cambridge or like LSE, right. or and then and have like friends to hang out with in London if you're ever going to travel there. Definitely, I think that yeah. could be super interesting. And it I think really I think it's cool. just like it's just cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: so, considering how large the uh, community's gotten now, um, what was kind of like the biggest hiccup or just ordeal that you had to face along the way?
1: Um, th- there's there's a couple. Um, I think also it's over the years I've learned to anticipate problems, and that's why we've been able to grow the community, whereas a lot of others kind of you know die off. Um, yeah, like there's different like I think phases. Like there's like the growing phase where we're adding like. You know 200 people, 200 people a week um so what that's a very different phrase than now where it's like three thousand people it's much more mature it's end of the summer so engagement is a little bit low so understanding kind of the ebb and flow of these communities i think just comes from experience um i think the biggest challenge this year has just been um operations because we never used to throw as many events as we do now like we have like you know sometimes two to four events a week uh, which takes you know, operations and we have banners and scheduling and all other stuff. Uh, it used to be a lot more just community driven and there would be events happening in the cities and we would just kind of plug them in and we would have like an event like once every month. But since, you know, those usual things aren't happening, we had to step up and actually organize some of these things, which I think has been really good for the community and people have really enjoyed them. Uh, but just from an operation standpoint, that's been okay to I mean, find speakers and convince them and um, schedule time. And so our team has been really helpful Like this year was the first year we actually had like a a team of people who were uh, adminning and that's been like a lifesaver. Previously it was just me doing everything and I suck at design. (laughs) So (laughs) the banners would be super just like not good or it would just be like a Facebook event. Uh, But this year we've just been able to, uh, I think, do a much better job with like uh, speakers and uh, yeah, just uh, for me it's been super, super supportive. So yeah, I'm very thankful for my, for my team. And I would, it's, I think, it's the same as starting a company, like, you know, solo founder versus co founder, I think makes a lot of difference. Like, if you have mm-hmm. someone you can rely on and um, be like, hey, can you do this? You know, uh, yeah, I just think it's so much, it just makes your life so much easier, better, easier. And you just, you just feel a lot better when you have like a team and uh, mm-hmm. people you know uh, who are kind of uh, committed to the same cause. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I definitely do things better in a team. I'm, you know, a pretty extroverted person. I think even like the way I'm self-reflective is through talking to people and through having conversations. So I can definitely see how, like, you know, having that team has allowed you to increase your reach and and really make it more effective. On that note, I guess, um, you know, as this has sort of evolved throughout the last few years, um, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned from building such a community?
1: Oh, biggest lesson, Uh, (laughs) it's a a thankless job. I think if you ask any community leader, they'll tell you that it's a thankless job and it's a, it's a lot of work uh, to mm-hmm. make a, a good community. Um, and- Wait, uh, I'm gonna stop you right I, there.
0: First off, I wanna say thank you for building this community. Is it, <laughs> no, I really like, enjoyed it, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> I think it takes a special kind of person to be like, hey, I'm gonna run this community and uh, I'm gonna spend like my time. Like I could be doing anything else, right? I could be like preparing for jobs or I could be watching Netflix or like, why am yeah. I spending so much time you know, making this happen? And uh, so I think that's number one is that. And then I think number two is actually that um, you can't just start a Slack group. Like That's very easy to do. Everyone can start a Slack group, right? But they all don't grow as fast. Uh, so I think mo- they, the, who are the admins and who are the moderators and what they're doing is I think super important. Uh, For sure. And that's what, I think if you asked previously, like, uh, what has been the hard part, Like that was the beginnings. Like. Uh, when we were just starting off, everyone who would intro themselves or anyone who would join, I would personally message them a couple hours a day. I would be like, Hey, welcome. Where are you joining us from? So like, you know, just very like personal high touch community and replying to as many things as possible. Um, cause that's how we grew We grew purely from word of mouth. We don't do any paid marketing. We don't like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, tell people like people just post about this. Um, to their friends, so we were like, "Hey, where are you joining us from? Or you're from Georgia Tech, or you're from Berkeley? Can you post about this, right?" Uh, and yeah. initially, we got a lot of Canadian users uh, because uh, <laughs> yeah. someone from Canada was like, "Super, they were super into it, and they made some posts about us, and that's how we got a ton of users, right?" Awesome. Um, so I think it's just being like, genuine and honest, and, and like, "Hey, this is what the community is. It's for students." Uh, uh, I think that was the biggest lesson I learned.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I think it was a great lesson.
2: Yeah, so um, let's pivot the conversation a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. In like we were kind of just talking a bit earlier before the conver- uh, before the podcast started, and uh, you're a huge fan of reading, and you said as you mentioned mm-hmm. that that's your preferred medium to consume information. Uh, what book do you find yourself recommending to others most often? Great
1: question. ah uh, book um. Okay, maybe I won't see the book I recommend. I'll probably tell the book that I I read the most when I'm, like, feeling, uh, like, down. Um, And it's just inspirational for me is uh, Ready Player One. Uh, Oh, I love that book. Yeah, Yeah, I love that book. Um, So I founded that book at, like, a pretty low point in my life. And I I think in, like, four months, I read it, like, five times. uh, And I still, like, sometimes read it. Uh, the movie sucks. So, so <laughs> yeah, <him. laughs> I watched it. it. Sucks. Yeah, I was so disappointed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that movie, that book, is really inspiring for me because uh, i like, like part of it is because I'm just like a dork about like you know the '80s, so a lot of the mm-hmm. references are, are super interesting for me, uh, and I'm also a big fan of like science fiction, so uh, just I think that world of virtual. um I think there's, like a, there's a lot of like psychology in that and philosophy around, okay, if we all live in a virtual world, what does it look like? And like yeah. the treasure hunt is an interesting aspect. Yeah, so it kind of just like makes me like forget my troubles and it's just, uh, just an entertaining read. Um, For sure. So that's, I think, one book that I would recommend. Uh, another book that I would recommend to your listeners, I guess, who are primarily, I would, I would say, college students, is this mm-hmm. book called Excellent Sheep by... Uh, Let me look it up. Uh, It's a book by this um, Yale professor. So he's taught at Yale for like, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, And he wrote this book where he talks why Ivy League students or students in general in America are uh, following brands and they've lost the ability to think for themselves. Yeah, it's extension by William Derizowitz. Yeah. and I read this book my last semester of college. It was like a recommended book for one of my classes. And it just changed the lives, I think, of every student who took it. Like, we were all kind of just like crying in our discussion section afterwards because no we were way. like, "No, we should have read this book as a freshman, Um, you know? um, Yeah, so it's, I think it's a very powerful book that I would recommend to any student to read about what you should be doing with your life, why are you doing what you're doing to just examine yourself uh, and uh, yeah. So highly, highly recommend for any student anywhere. Uh, Cause I think it, you, I think people will like, you will read it. And if you, if you don't like see yourself reflected in the book, like you're probably doing, your, you're probably living your life right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
0: That's uh, awesome. So. Yeah. Thank you for the suggestion. I'll we'll definitely link it in the description of the episode. and like, I'm going to read it too. That's something I'm super, super interested in. I don't know if you've ever read winners take all, by, uh,
1: about by Anand Giridass.
0: Yeah. Have you read it?
1: Yeah. yeah. He actually came to my campus. He's a Michigan alum. So No way.
0: What? I was that's gonna, awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's something I do a lot. I'm actually a big fan of cold emailing. So yeah. uh, I cold emailed this other author who's similar to Anand Giridass. His name is Dan Lyons. He wrote this book called like, Lab Rats.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, i it. Book.
1: So he's a Michigan alum. And I read the book and I was like, cool, let me email him. And now I'm friends with him. So no way uh, what and yeah. Uh, yeah so we're gonna bring him to campus and everything uh, yeah but uh, yeah his book is really interesting too and uh, yeah 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 i think being in tech it's like a, a fine line between drinking the kool-aid and opposing it i think there's good sides to the tech industry but there For are sure. definitely people who uh, i think have just kind of as i call it drank the kool-aid too much but yeah I think <laughs> call is uh, is a um good book at some point chamath will also write a book um <laughs> wow. that will be popular too uh, yeah but, uh,
0: that's really cool um, yeah would you ever would you ever write a book
1: um i'm not writing a I I, I want to write like a fiction like an ultimate his, history book at some point uh yeah i had some ideas around like uh this was like way back i was writing a book called the tiger society it was about, what if the British had never colonized India? Um, oh, you know. that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm writing that down. That, that's really cool. Yeah, so because India was really rich at that time, and I was just like, OK, what were the consequences of a really rich uh, India and how that would have changed the geopolitical landscape of the world because the British Empire was kind of you know anchored uh, by the Indian subcontinent. It's like 50 million people were conquered, like 500 million people. It's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I had like, and had this whole Tiger Society was the name of a secret society started by Akbar, who's a you know famous Mughal king. And they were the ones who were kind of like stewarding the progress of the country for like, you know, centuries. Uh, but that was what the, the grand idea I had. So, one day I'll, I'll write it. Um, but my other writings are like, I, this is a series I call like The World Today. And that's like documenting today's world and it's supposed to be read in 50 years by like me or like my kids or my nephews and nieces uh, so it's yeah. like hey what was the world 50 like 50 years ago and uh uh-huh. i think the world is actually pretty cyclical like things we go through like every generation i think goes through the same things but we think we are the only ones facing it oh,
0: uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, so i kind of want to tell future generations that hey this all of what you're facing has somehow already happened before there's political issues there's you know pandemics happen there's yeah uh, disappointments in sports uh, but uh, yeah so it's like again my point around documenting the world today and then uh, I can read it in 50 years and see what that was like uh, mm-hmm. yeah what do you I mean it's so, just
0: sorry go ahead. Oh, go
2: ahead go ahead go ahead
1: no I was, I was saying like, what, I what prompted
0: you white, to 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 uh, to start writing that like have you ever done like a time capsule or anything like that or like like what's your primary motivation for like wanting to like experience or express that
1: yeah, um, so I'm a big fan of, like, World War II, like, history for some reason, um, yeah. even though I have, like, no family connections or anything. I just I just read a lot about World War II and watch a lot of documentaries, yeah. and I think what's very fascinating for me is, like, oh, what if I could read the life of, like, someone in London during those years? Like, what were they going through? And, yeah. Like, a, a soldier, um, or even, like, after, like, the Cold War. Um. So, yeah, I think, so that was kind of the the... Reasoning. I think we are living in pretty interesting times. Like, if you think mm-hmm. about what's happened in the last year, last whatever six months alone, like we were at war with Iran almost <laughs> in January. No one remembers, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Things are things are moving so so fast that um, um, I think it's it's worthwhile to document them uh, for for That's the awesome. future. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, I definitely agree. I want to have something to read when I'm old. So. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be no shortage of books, but yeah, always cool to like hear about your thoughts. I journal quite heavily and that's something I'm planning to do. Like definitely plan to go through my journals and like read what I was thinking and like what I was experiencing at the time. Cause that'll be super, super interesting. Also on the note of world war II, i um, I'm sure you've read it, but all the light we cannot see by Anthony Dewar. Um, I don't know if, have you read it?
1: No, I mostly read like, like uh, historian accounts like oh, okay uh like like a overview of what was happening like oh this army was going here or yeah yeah uh, this was yeah but I'm, I'm trying to like find what is that called i want to write it down
0: dude okay so this is like one of my favorite books of all time it won a pulitzer and i cried like six times after i read it um <laughs> and i don't cry during movies or re- or during books but i right. cried like six times reading this it's called all the light we cannot see by anthony Dewar um it's essentially oh. a world war ii i'm not going to spoil anything but it's, it's a book about world war ii in which the two primary protagonists are a french girl who grows up in the countryside in france and a german boy who grows up as an orphan in germany and he's like super smart really good at engineering um you know tinkering with radios which was like the engineering form of choice at the time and he gets recruited into the hitler youth against his wishes mm-hmm. uh because you know that's just he was a smart kid and that's he was an orphan um and eventually they meet when he invades like uh, France with Germany. Right. So it's a right. beautifully, beautifully written book and I don't want to spoil anything, but huge emotional ups and downs. I'm like, if you're into world war two, you'll get all the references. So it'll be great. I'm also right. kind of into world war two. My dad was a huge, like, well, I mean, that's, that's like a funny thing to say, but my dad is like really into world war two as well. Like, so, so I was, mm-hmm. I was like a yeah, really influenced by it growing up. But you should definitely read that book
1: yeah I'll, I'll i'll take a look at it most of my stuff has been like logistical issues like oh how did how how many tanks did they make and like how did yeah. they fix them and like comparisons of like panzers and shermans but uh, yeah, yeah it's like too much detail uh <laughs> but, yeah i think yeah. uh yeah my dad is super into history too I, I actually spent some time in egypt when i was younger so i was super into like egyptology and i went to yeah. cairo uh visited the That's pyramids awesome. i'm gonna go yeah, back yeah. at some point uh cool. but uh, yeah. So I think it's like, I think like history, I think guides, uh, uh, I think I always use it as like, a, you know, guiding light in a sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. David, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, like, what was it like seeing the pyramids? <laughs>
1: uh, it was okay. I think it was a little bit under underwhelming. <laughs> like yeah. they were cool. Um, but, you know, they tell you all like the mysterious stuff, like, yeah. oh, like no humans could have made this uh, because though know, the stones are very close together. And I was like, I guess, yeah. like, also I was like 14 or 13 uh, I <laughs>
2: like parents. What is this stack of rocks? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: the Nile was really cool. We took like a Nile river cruise and saw the old, Um there's one, I think it was Ramsey's monument where they shot a James Bond movie. And then, so there was like bullet holes. From where they did the shooting and stuff, so I'm also a huge James Bond fan, so that was like, oh cool, yeah. the shadow James Bond movie here. Yeah. Um But uh, yeah, uh, and the markets were really interesting. I would definitely go back, but more for like a backpacker rather than like on a vacation. Um, yeah. And and kind of explore more. Um, yeah, but uh, I think it was kind of a you know bucket list item for me cool. to yeah. to go visit and i I lived in egypt when i was like i think six months old so it wasn't nice to come back
2: damn you so you've literally just been all around the world like just just plop down for like a little bit of time pick up shop and then you just move <laughs> I mean, it must be yeah, crazy I mean, like
1: it's good to move around uh i think yeah. we we'll get like too comfortable in places and the world is so big uh, for sure yeah that's why i also have like interesting thoughts about like marriage and stuff and I'm just like what if i didn't get married and i would have so much time <laughs> <laughs> so, are you planning on getting
0: married or are you planning to not get married
1: not right now definitely
0: not. oh yeah i mean uh... <laughs> I, would assume, I don't know how
1: old you are but i would assume not now but <laughs> yeah it's uh again you are not know, doing that expected so i'm just like hey what if i didn't get married right, right. and then i had all i had like half of my life back
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um so uh, yeah yeah so i think uh i think we do a lot of time like you know 50, I have like 50, 60 years of my life left. So I'm going to kind of make sure I don't like waste a single year.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I have uh, just one kind of like penultimate question before we sure. ask our favorite um, final question of our guests. Yeah. But um, what new piece of tech are you most
1: excited by? New piece of tech, like should I be using it or can I be looking forward to it? It can be anything, anything at all. Hmm. Yeah, completely open uh... New piece of tech. Um, I guess driving cars is kind of a cliche answer. Uh, Not at all.
2: Like there's so much interesting things happening with honestly like everything in the, the world of tech. Um, the connectivity between everything, the Internet of Things, everything, like anything. Honestly,
1: oh, yeah, I, I think I have a good answer. I, I I was I was writing an application for a VC job and they asked me like, "What's your favorite startup?" Uh, I think one of my favorite uh, new tech ideas is like the whole concept of streaming, uh, you know, games and stuff to your device without having it. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, so I tried, Nvidia had like a program called, they have a program called GE Force Now, which is like, you can run your games on their cloud and then just have them run on your local laptop. Mm. Um, I think. That's super cool, especially with like five G everywhere. I think our phones and laptops will just become like screens. They won't actually do any computing,
0: or oh, they will do very like minimal mm.
1: computing, and everything will just run in data centers. Which means yeah. that you know you'll be able to play games or just run like a thousand browser apps, browser tabs, and stuff. Uh, and there's a yeah. company called Mighty that's just working on doing that for Chrome. Like it just streams Chrome. Uh, and that's like in itself, I think, a huge ecosystem. If you think about it, like Chrome has become uh, actually like an operating system, right? People build all these apps and like companies are built on top of Chrome now and Chrome extensions. So it's kind of like Honey, like yeah, example, four billion dollars uh, built entirely on yeah. Chrome, right? Honey's great, um, yeah, right?
0: but it, it's Honey's it's great. a crazy, crazy idea, yeah.
1: So, I think that whole concept of like edge uh, being able to offload computing, I think that'll lead to some like, you know, in the movies, you see those devices which are like transparent glasses, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, like your phone becomes just just a transparent glass. Mm -hmm. I think that could become a reality with something like that. Uh, I think you can have self driving cars, better like traffic analytics, um, everything. So, I'm super excited about like this whole concept of this computing. Like separating computing from actually visualizing the results of uh, computing. And we already done that in industry with you know cloud everything. So we just move it all to AWS, right? what um, mm. if you did it for like personal use and I think gaming is a good way of doing that. Um, and and as we make that better, I think we also got to step closer to this like VR world, which is what like Fortnite is trying to do. Like they're creating this like yeah. virtual world, right? And that, that yeah, that's the kind, of really, you know, counter,
0: kind of Travis Scott concert, I don't
1: know if you saw that. that yeah, was that was amazing, right? Incredible, um, yeah, yeah. So once you make that, competi- like all that very int- computation intensive stuff, you offload it from personal devices, then you can also maintain quality. Um, so I think that is, uh, I think that would be super, super interesting in the next yeah. two, few years, especially with 5G coming out. Yeah,
0: I absolutely agree. I think that's super, super interesting. Thanks for mentioning that. I think a lot of people don't even like think about, you know, like limitations to computing because it's such an esoteric problem for the average consumer. But I think that's, yeah, like I'm also most like excited about that stuff because it allows you to like, just do so much more with what you already have. And like phones Mm -hmm. could be way slimmer, you know, without a processor, all would be is a battery and a screen at that point. Right. With connectivity and like, you know, things like that. So yeah, great. uh, Great answer. And we're going to get into our final question. I'm going to take it Damien this time. Hope you don't mind. Um, But our, our final question, and Damien thought of this, so he has to get all the credit, but we, it's like a, a bit of a tradition on our podcast with interviews. Um, the question is, if you could put any one message on a billboard that would reach millions of people, and you know, you can define people as whatever you want, it could be students, it could be the entire world, it could be a specific country, what message would you put on it and why? Hmm. Uh,
1: that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> um, I think this would be kind of controversial. Uh, but I would, I would tell people, uh, don't do what your parents say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why is that? Um, because I I don't do what my parents say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think listen to them. But like, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think the kind of the. the a uh, more polite saying this would be like live your own life uh, and make yeah. like, your own decisions. But I think if you want to make a catchy uh, billboard, right? Just be like, don't do what your parents say. Or mm-hmm. um another would we'll be like, don't do what society tells you. But again. Uh, yeah. And I think the motivation for this would just be, um, it's impossible to plan things. Like I run across so many students who are just like planning years and years of their life, and they're like, I'm gonna be a PM and then I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that. And you know, in those interviews, um, people ask like, where are you gonna be five years from now? And like, my answer to that is like, um, that's a stupid question. (laughs) Because like, (laughs) I don't wanna know where I'm gonna be five years from now. Like, I think that that person lives a very boring life, if they can tell you exactly where they're gonna be five years from now. Uh, Yeah. Right? Like, I can barely know where I'm gonna be in five months. Like, how can I ever plan for five years, right? Yeah, Uh,
0: yeah.
1: So, yeah, so that would be, I think that would, that's kind of the thing I, I, I guess I preach and I preach what I follow, right? I think yeah. we just, I would say the first rule of giving advice, should would be don't give advice, you wouldn't follow yourself, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so whenever I see those, like, interview applications, I'm like, I'm like oh, where are you going to be five years from now? I'm like, this is a stupid question. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know where I'm going five years from now. I hope I'm going to do something cool, and I would look back five years when I'm there, I'm like, yeah, I was an idiot five years ago. But,
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, all uh, about growth yeah. and, uh, and new experiences. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you again, you know, so much for coming on the show. Like, really, really appreciate it. You're a super interesting dude. I will have to trade book co- recommendations with you, like, endlessly. Because I sure, I have 150 many,
1: EPUBs on my computer. I'm willing to yeah. share them for anyone who wants them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, have
0: you have you heard of this website called b-ok.cc? I'll send it to you later. It's a, It's a Chinese website. It has literally every single book I've ever looked for on it for free. Yeah, one I quick download like that. No seeders. <laughs> yeah yeah kind of like project gutenberg or whatever yeah yeah cool yeah yeah we'll definitely trade book recos and and damien you can hop into this too because i know you're you're always looking for suggestions as well but thank you so much for coming it's on the good. show i think you're a really inspiring dude you've you've created a lot of, of cool communities and you know made a lot of impact through them even if like it wasn't personal impact but like you know trickle down butterfly effect stuff has has been happening which is really cool so um you just want you to know that and yeah damien i don't know if you have closing thoughts
2: no, I, mean, I just wanted to, like, again, like express my thoughts and echo some of the things that Fouad said. Um, I know a couple of people who are part of the community that you built up, and they have nothing but wonderful things to say about it. Um, so, you know, kudos Good to, know. to you. Yeah, <laughs> kudos to you for that, and I'm looking forward to seeing what it becomes in the future.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Um, what becomes of it. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was great, um, talking about some of these things. Yeah, some of them were like kind of controversial and, like, but I like I I say what I believe in. Like I'm not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you ask me now, if you ask that's me five right. years yeah. in the future, I would probably say the same thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, and happy yeah. to help out with like anything you guys need. So yeah, where can uh, sure.
2: people reach you?
1: Uh, intern Club. <laughs> I respond to every every DM that I get, or uh, yeah, probably the best, better than like LinkedIn that's or Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. My handle is chief intern. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'd, cool. I'd do some like random stuff there. Cool. Uh Yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah, I guess we'll leave it at that.